So today's guest is actor. He's been in one movie in particular that you've already probably figured out, but he's been in a lot of shows. Zach Ward. Zach, welcome to the show. Listen in as celebrities and amazing people share how they use their influence to change the world. Dive into their stories and discover their passion to keep living a legacy. Well, today we're going to have, we're having a good time, man. And I'll tell you, if you don't pay attention, he will shoot your eye out. So today's guest is actor. He's been in one movie in particular that you've already probably figured out, but he's just been in a lot of shows. Um, Zach Ward. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. Absolutely, Zach. Thanks again. And getting near Christmas and a perfect time in the holidays to talk about some awesome things. Yeah. So, Zach, obviously a Christmas story. And, and anybody watching the show, you're seeing the red hair. So you, you probably figured out that Zach was the, the bully kid. You know, briefly, Zach, before we jump into everything else, let's let's talk a little bit about Christmas story. It is Christmas time. So tell us a little bit about back making the movie and and experiences there and maybe a scene or two that that still stands out that makes you laugh or is memorable. Uh, Christmas Story was my first feature film that I ever auditioned for. It's what we call a cattle call, meaning hundreds of kids came to the audition, walked in and out of the audition room, read a couple of lines in front of a VHS camera, and then left. And back then, my dialogue was the was the dialogue of the sidekick, not the bully. Uh, so I said, nah, your Aunt Tilly, get over here. And then, thank you, bye-bye. And I went through that about 10 or 12 times, um, and it kept on going from... A lot of kids down to less kids until eventually I got the job. And then I showed up um, in wardrobe and they put the big hat on me and they, uh, I met my, uh, I met Yano Anaya who played Grover Dill. <clears throat> and um, then we went out to go meet the director and I had never met him before because I was in Toronto and he was based in Los Angeles. So uh, we were introduced to Bob Clark the director, and he noticed that I was basically a foot taller than Yano Anaya, and he went, oh, okay, um, you get his lines, he gets yours. So I went from being the sidekick <laughs> to being the bully. Um, and so it was great fun. Uh, Bob kept us separated, sort of kept the bullies and the heroes <laughs> removed from each other, so there was a natural sort of competition level. Uh, yeah. He was a great guy. He was very patient, very sweet. Uh, like I said, it was my first feature film, so I was learning a lot. I had done commercials before that. My mom's an actress, so I've been on sets, but I'd never had that level of direction and a full film crew around like that. And uh, Bob was very, very patient and kind, and I think he got the best out of me that could be gotten. And so we got to play and have fun. And one of my favorite memories, you know, the fight scene, even though I'm losing, to me, that was like being the bionic, bionic man. So right. uh, any young feller liked play fighting when he was a kid and that's what I did. So this was uh, you know, sort of like living like your heroes, being evil Knievel or Steve Austin. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure right, that your right. audience has no idea who those people are, uh, but yeah, those were the heroes. No, they, of the they, day. Definitely oh, they definitely do. They definitely I said the heel versus the baby face. I don't know if Zach, if I told you last time I interviewed you, I'm a former professional wrestler. So I okay. know how great it is to be the bad guy. But yeah. I guess the look that you were able to come as very scary. For a lot of kids, you know, younger kids when they watch the show and different things, how they come yeah. up with that look for you? Which part of the look? 
like mean this stuff because yeah. I I brought this. <laughs> Meaning, just like <laughs> even just the way he just act, not just you brought this, but you also brought the persona, but also the look of the clothes and everything. How did they come up with that? Kind so of? wardrobe, the wardrobe department came up with the clothing, the hat, the leather jacket with the fur collar, the the green sweater and the turtleneck, and you know it just was a bunch of poor kid stuff from the 1930s, 1940s. Um, so they took period piece references and made sure that it was accurate to that time and then started dressing me in with what they have. So um, you go into the wardrobe department and they've got a ton of clothes, but only so many in your size. And then you start trying on those clothes and standing in front of a mirror and the wardrobe person goes, nope, uh, nope, uh, nope. Oh yeah, this looks good. You know, we yeah. went through 20 different hats before I got the, the coonskin hat. And so <laughs> it was all always about building upon what was already there. So I already had the face that was very punchable. Yeah. And then it was just adding to that process. Well, you know, there's so many, there's so many lines that people remember from the show, from, from the lamp to the, you'll shoot your eye out to the mother of all, you know, cuss words. Uh, which is what I mentioned to my kids earlier. And my son just starts laughing. He's like, yeah, dad, I know which movie you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's so many like scenes that pop out as people think about that. I'll tell you one thing that really, uh, you know, I was reading an article on you a couple days ago and something really stood out to me because our show is about living a legacy, right? Not, right. not just how are you going to leave a legacy, but what are you doing today to use the influence that you have to impact the world around you? And one of the things that I read about, I think it was when you were filming this movie is, you know, you're a kid and, and of course you're the bully. So people think of you and they're like, I don't like this guy. He's just a punk. But then the reality is you're playing a part. What I read was, you know, you're struggling with the lines and instead of the director being a bully, he sits down next to you and he just works with you on your lines. And that had a huge impact on your life. Tell me more of the story of, of that and kind of the impact that that had, because it it, it had an impact on me. Uh, it was the scene when I'm arguing with uh, Ralphie. Listen, jerk, when I tell you to come, you better come. Now get over here. What are you going to cry? Blah, blah, blah. It wasn't a lot of dialogue, and some of it got cut, but I was rushing through it because I wasn't really paying attention. And the director, Bob Clark, uh, instead of yelling at me, um, he kind of put everybody on like a – couple of minute break and then just walked yeah. over and talked to me and kept on kind of joking with me saying, uh, uh, you know, what are the lines? Say it again. Say it again. Okay. One more time. Okay. Super fast. All right. Super slow. This time like a monster. All right. This time like <laughs> a silly girl. This time like your mom would say it. All right. One, one more time. What are the lines? So you stop being afraid of the process and being overwhelmed and yeah. I call that vapor lock uh, when an actor is, you know, a, a an actor can feel like they're kind of screwing up, but they also know right. that there's 20, 30, 50 people around them looking at their clock, wishing they would hurry up and get it right. right. And then right. they start getting more and more nervous and then they start stumbling through and getting it worse and worse and worse. And the only way to really, fix that is to take a breath and to let go of all that concern and that, that nervous energy and then right, find right. the fun of it again. And I was able to do that because 
Bob was able to basically be a father figure and be patient and be kind. And that's, that's always helped me in my, in my acting. And then especially as, as I grew older and became a director is the way I treat my, my talent uh, in, in order to get the best performance from them is to help them understand that I, nothing else matters. We're going to spend as much time as we want doing this one thing. Now that's not true. I'm lying, but by getting rid of that fear and that responsibility, they take a deep breath, their whole body attitude changes, and right. now they're in the moment. And I also don't, I don't yell at someone in front of a bunch of people and go, do it best, better and faster and more tears. Because it's kind of embarrassing, eh? Like it's yeah, just right. uncomfortable, man, right? So I usually walk up to somebody and I make it personal with them, like Bob did with me. He right. walked away from the camera, came all the way over to me, and took his time. Like he, like he could have had a coffee, had a snack. Exactly. Yeah. No rush. No yeah. rush whatsoever. And then all my, my whole eh, frazzled nature just shifted. And I do that with, with my actors uh, because it shows them a level of respect. It makes them feel like this is their moment. And the reality is it is their moment. And I need them to be involved in it and connect with it. Otherwise, the audience isn't going to care. So, I was going to say, do you think the best directors do that? What you do, Zach? And I don't know. I, I think, you know, it depends. There's a lot of different styles of directors. I've got, I've had the opportunity to work with um, Michael Bay. I've had the opportunity to work with Steven Spielberg. I've gotten to work uh, with um, Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe is very similar to Bob Clark in that nature. Michael yeah. Bay is far more of a technical director, um, not really a, a personable director. Um, Steven Spielberg, he was a producer on a, a TV show I did called High Incident. He wasn't directing the episode, uh, but he was very open to concepts and ideas. Um, so it, it depends upon the individual and what you're making, you know? It, and everybody has their own style for what they do. So, yeah. yeah. I don't that's know. I, I like directing that way. Um, yeah. Well, if that's what you like, but I think it's important because if you make people think of coaches, basketball coaches or sports coaches, if they go and they go off on the players, a lot of times it works sometimes, but sometimes it backfires on them. And so right. what a good leader is, is a variety of different things for sure. You know, yeah, it's, right. it, it changes. It changes upon who you're dealing with at the time, what your options are. So if you work for me on my crew and you screw something up, do I have a replacement for you? Are we in the middle of nowhere and it would take me three days to get a replacement for you? And if you walk off my set, am I screwed? Am I going to lose yes. eight hours of time? Is that eight hours going to equal $10,000 or $15,000 or more? So yeah. how do I how do I handle that situation with you? How do I make sure that you're you don't think you've got me bent over sideways, and at the same time inspire and motivate you to do better? And maybe like how do I do all those things if you're my crew member, and then also if you're my actor, how do I get the energy I need for that scene so that you're in the right head place at the right time? Like it's it's constantly analyzing. Uh, what the person's going through and trying to be trying to be open to what's happening with them as opposed to just listening to yourself. 
uh, so right. that you can best help them get what they need to, to motivate them and get it done and take care of your over budget and blah, 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 all the other crap that goes into it. Well, because there's always a million things going on, right? Yeah. You've yeah. got a million things going on, especially if you're a director. They've got a million things going on, but then you've got family, you've got life, you've got all this other crap that's, you try to silo it out. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, if we can, if we can build someone rather than demoralizing them, right. Um, we're always right. going to have, and it, it seems so, I guess, impactful, but, but interesting to me that as you are playing the character, that is the demoralizing person, you have this life changing moment with a director who helps build into you right that now yeah. you use to this day but it did have an impact and you yeah, use it you know right. you could have taken either path and people would expect oh well, he's known for this role so he's this guy and it's like right i had this moment and, and i chose to to really try to invest in people because this guy did in me now you've been in a lot of shows right so you're in you're in transformers resident evil almost famous but then in a bunch of movies like CSI and, and NYPD Blues and Walker, Texas Ranger and Mentalist and Lost. Yeah, I've, and, done, I've done about 120 movies and about 80 guest stars uh, yeah. TV shows. Yeah. So I don't know what a lot of the other actors that were children in at least the Christmas story, but you know, a lot of children actors stop right there, right? They have their movie and, and then – that's kind of as far as it goes, especially when you have a major movie where, you know, it's, it's, it's got a cult following, right? Yeah. A lot of people get, you know, that's their role for life. So to be able to go on to and do as many movies as you've done, how would you say that you've been able to transition to, to continue to act? Whether success or failure, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fight, right? I'd say a lot of it is luck. Um... My mom's in the industry, so I grew up around the industry. So I was never I was never excited about the red carpet. It was never okay. about being famous, uh, which is yeah. great because being in Canada, nobody cared. When A Christmas Story came out, it did not do well. <laughs> uh, no one literally gave a crap. Um, yeah. So it was just a job. And, you know, I got lucky enough that when I went from being a child to being a teenager, um, yeah, I had my awkward stages but I was okay looking, I guess, you know, yeah. like some, some people changed completely. That guy from the Goonies went from being a uh, chunk to this thin, good looking lawyer guy. Right. Right. So he really didn't play the same type that people wanted him to be from chunk and the Goonies. Um, right. I still kind of look very similar to Scott Farkas. If you slap a picture of me up, let's see. If I slap this up, <laughs> yeah, I still have the same punchable face, you know, uh, that hasn't really changed. Um, I think, I think having a punchable face has been something that's helped me out immensely, like, um, and having red hair. So I, that was luck. And then luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So I was constantly right. auditioning. I, yeah, I've done a lot of work. I've also probably auditioned for 15 times that amount of opportunities and never got them. So right. it's not more. Um, yeah. So I think it's just tenacity and, and other people, you know, yes, other kids are child actors and they perform in something and it gets very, very big and they expect their life to be like that. 
but life isn't like what it is when you're a child, especially right. your body's changing, your mind is changing, your, your life is changing. You know, I think you make a point because nobody, as you said, cared, right? It doesn't go to your head and you, a lot of child actors, you know, get there and then they just, because it does go to their head and they get all the money and then they just crash. You look at not just the drug rate, but the death rate and all this of actors, as you say, you know, mom's in the business. She went home and, and she's like, okay, now go clean your room. Right. And it's like, but because of that, you went to the next audition and the next audition, the next audition, right. the next audition. And as you say, I auditioned 15 times for every one that I get, right? So, you know, that gets back to regardless of if somebody's in movies or they're in sales or they're just in life, we give up after two or three times, statistically right. after once or twice. And you're right. like, no, 15 times. And the reality is, if you, if you interviewed 15 times for every one you got, that means you really interviewed a hundred times in a row and got a no. And then you got one and then you got another and then you got another and you're like, crap. Yeah. Now there's going to be a bunch of no's again, right? Because, it, you know, things happen, boom, boom, boom. And then it's just silent and then boom, boom, boom. Um, but you've stuck with it and you've got a resume that, that clearly shows you did. What are some of your favorite actors that you've worked with over the years or, or maybe movies or series that you've been in? Um. Stacy Keach from, on the TV show Titus, uh, yeah. Darren McGavin, obviously. Uh, Octavia Spencer was on, uh, she was on Titus. She was a very nice woman. Um, what's her face from Family Guy? What is her name? The lead. Google her name. She did an episode of, uh, of uh, Titus as well. We get to work with a lot of cool people on that. Um, you know, the thing is I, I, I've gotten to do so many different movies and TV shows and gotten to work, uh, Alex Borstein, got to work with Alex Borstein. Um, it's been really neat. It's been really exciting to, to work with such a wide range of people and where sometimes you meet your heroes and they disappoint you. And sometimes yeah. you meet your, you meet people that become heroes because of how yeah. much they inspire you. And I, right. I think that regardless of whether they're famous or they're unknowns, the quality of their work speaks in their actions. And so mm -hmm. you're, you know, again, keeping that open mind and getting to meet people and, and learn from their talents is always a fantastic opportunity. Right. Not all heroes wear a cape. No. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they usually work at assisted living facilities. <laughs> well, they do. Now, you mentioned you mentioned a few minutes ago uh, that you've got a passion for Alzheimer's, which uh, yeah. I, I've really. I don't know do. if that's the right. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. If, yeah. if I could, if I could murder Alzheimer's uh, viciously, I would. Oh, I would do a horror movie on that thing. Yeah. Well, you know, we would have a tag team match, except there's three of us. So, Neil, what would that be called? I don't know what that would be. So you're saying no? We six man tag team match against Alzheimer's. There you go. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Yes, that'd be great. Because it's destroying it and ending and trying to help that process. So what made you want to do that, Zach? And I know that Eric. Was uh, my father has Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed okay. this uh, August. He's now in a um, living assisted facility in Oregon. Wow, Zach. I am so sorry to hear that. Yeah, my my dad did too. He lived with us for three and a half years with Alzheimer's. Wow. And uh, wow. That's really hard, dude. Um, my dad was diagnosed 
stage four dementia with Alzheimer's. Um, and he degraded really, really quickly. Um, and they just, it was, it was a full time, someone had to be there 24 seven and that yeah. it just limited amount of options. Uh, my wife and I don't have the space or the ability to do that. Um, so my younger sister, Audrey is a wizard of figuring out red tape and bureaucracy and Medicaid and all this stuff. And so yeah. we were able to find a place a mile away from her house in Oregon, in Bend, Oregon. Okay. Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, I don't want to swear, but man, I, I hate Alzheimer's on a level that requires a lot of cussing. Well, we could, we could share a pint and discuss it and, and we could cuss all night. So I, I typically have a, have a little pin on that's, it's a purple pin that's about Alzheimer's when I speak. I actually was speaking last week at New York Academy of Medicine specifically about that. And, and what I learned, because uh, what was heartbreaking to me was, you know, in these facilities, my dad, and I don't know if your dad's gotten this way, but they get aggressive, you know, Alzheimer's, they will. Yeah, they get angry, they um, get mad. And, and they're frustrated because they're used to being able to do stuff. My dad was, my dad had been an All-American collegiate athlete, and he's still doing 50 push-ups a day. Um, and, but his mind just wasn't working, and it, it was just, it's heartbreaking, right? Yep. Now, there's, there's also moments of just, God was gracious to give us some moments where we just laughed. You know, dad yeah. would do stuff that was just funny. And, you know, sometimes he thinks it's funny, but we just need some comic relief. Yeah. And, and, you know, one day we were at Chinese food and they delivered the, the, the sushi and he just grabbed the whole thing that, you know, for everybody to share. And he ate the whole thing. And we're just like, okay, we'll order some more. And before we could stop him, he grabs the wasabi and puts the whole thing in his mouth to just oh jump, gosh. jump, jump. Never says a word, starts crying. I mean, just, you know, a tear comes down, his face gets red. Never says a word, you know, tough dude. Wow. And then afterwards, <laughs> he's like, wow, that was some spicy guacamole. And, and you know, so, so there's those really hard days. Um, yep. And then there's some days that you just, you know, afterwards we'd kind of chuckle once we were like, yeah, don't, don't eat the spicy guacamole again, but we can remember that, you know, yeah. afterwards and, and, uh, there's good days and there's really, really, really hard days. Definitely. Um, so I feel for you, man. I speak Thank on that. You. I speak on that regularly, uh, all over the country and on TV and, uh, just as a, as an advocate, as I say, a senior advocate. Well, that's funny because if this happened to people who were 40 and under, we'd have a solution. True. Yeah. That's true. And if we could have more people yeah. like you two speaking out, I mean, my father didn't have it at the end, but he started forgetting things. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard because he's brilliant. Uh, number two in the Naval Academy when he went to school wow. there, he, wow. MIT, genius, my father. He passed away about a year ago. So, um, I uh, it was, it, uh, thank you. And it was just really difficult yeah. to see at the end because the man was a genius and it was very hard sometimes to have conversations, but he would always say, I'm proud of you, son. But I mean, I'm not that, that kind of thing. He's my best man. And so I'm just sharing this because I didn't, you know, think I was going to get to share this in this interview, but it just really it just, he was the one that had the answers, but he would right. be able to come up with so many different, amazing things with his intelligence, but also relate to people. And it was just a, he, uh, he served a, a, under Admiral Rickover. If you ever heard of Admiral Rickover, he was a very no, sir. naval. And if you looked him up, he's like one okay. of the heads of the naval 
of the of navy in the navy when he was uh, doing yeah. submarines and stuff. Has a story. So just amazing stories. But those are the things that they forget at the end. It's so hard, Zach. Right? I mean, yeah. you see them forget those yeah. amazing things or amazing moments are gone. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Of this. Yep. I would murder Alzheimer's if I got a chance. Well, yeah, you'd have some help. Yeah. Um, and you know what? If if you ever do, if you ever get the chance to, I'm I'll pretty you. convinced you'll be acquitted. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to do it close up with the knife and make it yeah. really slow. Yeah. yeah. That or, or, or background, right? <laughs> a dull spoon even, you know. Right, uh, right. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to enjoy this. And you're right. The the government does not put uh, a value on young children or on old people because they can't earn a dollar. Right. Um, so but the reality is they are like old people are supposed to convey the wisdom of their experience yes. to young people so that we yeah. create a standard of integrity for our culture so that we have a society and a civilization that lifts us up out of the dregs. Right. And then when we shuffle those people away into dark corners to fade away into nothingness and all their lessons are just turned into mothballs, then it means that we're constantly starting over and over again from nothing, which is like, that's what octopuses do. You know, an octopus is really, really smart, but it has no history to trade upon. So every time an octopus is born, it's coming out with zero and instinct and trying to figure it out itself. And they're very, very smart, smarter than dogs. But then they never get to transfer that information ahead. The reason why we have a society and the reason why I'm sitting in my office uh, in front of a laptop with a camera talking to people is because information keeps on getting changed and conversed and then built upon. We stand on the shoulders right. of giants. But if you, if you basically chop down the giants before you ever get to hear what they have to say, then you're starting from scratch all the time, uh, all over again. And that's the, that's the, that's the way empires fall. Yeah. So it is. Hey, Merry Christmas guys. Great podcast. Let's keep it happy. Shall we? See, see Zach. Of Empire. I told you we're going to ask different types of questions today. It's not going to be yep. the same old, same old, but it really brings that power. You came up with the idea because of your father, but how are you raising money for it? Also. I'm doing two things. I'm doing something through the the uh, uh, the Christmas Story family, uh -huh. which is a website you can go to, and then we're selling autographed photos and so forth from everybody inside the uh, everybody inside the cast. Um, and then I'm also doing cameos, uh, which are um, yeah yeah cameos. So if you go to cameo.com/slash Darth Farkas, as if Scott Farkas was a Sith Lord. It's funny. D A R T H F A R K U S, Darth Farkas. Then you see my cameo, and a portion of the monies I raise go toward taking care of my dad directly. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, or you can go to the Chris, was it Christmas story gift for, let me just take a look at it. Because it's, as opposed to it going through Warner Brothers and all that, like this is just paper stuff and small gifts that are made. Um, Autograph photographs and so forth. So it's, you know, it's called the Christmas Story Family. If you look at that, and then you'll find us as well. So, Christmas Story Family. Yeah, Christmas Story Family. Zach, it sounds like we probably have our answer, but you know, one of the questions we always ask everybody is, you know, what do you want 
what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be your legacy? Well, I think Christmas Story will be my legacy. Um, and I, I, I'm very, I think I'm blessed to have that as an option. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, I had very little to be part of that. I, I did not contribute a lot to the making of that film. Um, I worked on it for five weeks. I was very lucky to get to do what I did. And it's that perfect storm of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the way the audience interacted with it, it turning into a 24 hour marathon, et cetera. So I think that will always be part of my legacy. Um, the harder question is how do I live up to that legacy before I die? Um, right. My goal is not to sit back and be like, hey, remember me? I was good fackers. Remember that one time I was a bully? Uh, 1983 that's stupid that's just that's just pathetic um my goal is to live up to the legacy of bob clark and direct and create films that bring people together and and make them laugh and smile and cry and feel human so i hope that before i die that i get to live up to the opportunity that bob clark gave me all right see that hopefully i get to do that that's fantastic, Zach. Any other projects you have going on right now? Uh, I'm direct, I've directed a feature film that I wrote and directed called Patsy Lee and the Keeper of the Five Kingdoms. And it's a like the Goonies meets Dark Crystal. So live action with puppets in a magical world. Um, yeah, one of the, the leading men is uh, James Hong, 92-year-old James Hong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was in big trouble in Little China. He was. I love that. Movie. Yeah, and this is the Chinese mythology-based American feature film with, like I said, animatronic puppets and magical worlds and little persons inside suits with talking heads and magic powers and lots of fun, yeah. difficult stuff to do. So that's what I'm working on right now, and our goal is to have that out and distributed for second quarter of 2021. Fantastic. Awesome. So and awesome. Then, and other things you can't say till COVID's over, right? Or that's coming up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm always writing something. Um, I'm working on a, uh, on a series slash movie. That's a book adaptation. Um, but there's really no point in talking about it until that's in further in development because who knows what's going to happen because life, you know? Right. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, but that's that's so. Let's see. That's the plan. I'm going to be in Ohio uh, next week, which I'm excited mm-hmm. about. And then we're in Ohio, Zach. Just what are you going to go there? Are you going? Well, that's right. Here's the thing. We're not really doing what I'm going to visit family. Oh, uh, my oldest friend lives in Akron, Ohio, okay. Okay. and so I'm going to go visit him. Um, I'm not really doing any personal events um, in in person. The only one I'm doing is. This Saturday, the 19th, I'm doing a drive-in movie theater to raise money. Sweet. Um, Great idea. Yeah, but everybody's in their car. So it's it's completely COVID compliant. You're not touching anybody. Everything's safe, you know. Um, So that's the only in-person event that I'm doing. Everything else is going to be just news interview questions, stuff like this, or on location in front of the Christmas story house, so forth. But I'm not doing a bunch of public stuff. Um, It makes me uncomfortable uh, for multiple reasons. You know, my dad's 74 years old now. And when I want to go see him, like I'm always getting COVID tests. 
to make sure that my right. family and I are safe so we can take care of him. Yeah. And I just feel like um, it's too much of a risk for me to expose somebody else to that opportunity. And since we have things like Cameo or the Christmas, a Christmas story family um, where they can have that interaction without having to expose themselves or their loved ones That's to great. something that could be absolutely dangerous yeah. or we'll wait till whenever we're back to normal again. There you go. There you That's go. It. But no, I'm, I think I went to a bar once this year and it was when like we had our first wave of COVID and then there was like sort of a release like, Oh, you can go to a bar. If you line up outside six feet distance, yeah. wearing a mask. And then once you get inside, you can take the mask off. So my wife and I go to this and of course people are drinking and they're getting drunk and they're doing the thing when they, the music is loud and they lean in close and they start talking into your mouth. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go. I'd rather have a beer at home than yeah. have you spit on my face. And I'm good. I'm yeah. good. You know, but I'm lucky. I've already married and very happily so. And, not running around trying to be single. So I have, my heart goes out to those people who are feeling lonely and such as it's got to be difficult, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to go hang out. That's there. another, that might be for a movie you have to create next year about single and during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's probably already done it. It's called Tinder. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or that so, could be the name of your movie. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sure everybody would know exactly what it was before they even saw it. That's yeah, so I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, thanks for stopping by. Eric, again, another great living legacy. And everyone check out the website right now so they can donate or go to your Cameo, right? Go to my Cameo um, or go to my Twitter and then uh, hit me up from there. Awesome. Right. Zach, great interview today, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks appreciate talking to you guys. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another amazing episode of Living a Legacy. Living a Legacy.